Hey there, special educator. Before we dive into today's episode, I have something exciting to share with you. If you've ever struggled with writing impact statements for your IEPs, and let's be honest here, what special educator hasn't found themselves at some point staring at a blank box and a blinking cursor wondering what in the world to type? My free guide is just what you need to get those brain juices flowing. Introducing Impact Statement Mastery, your step-by-step guide to writing personalized IEPs. This free guide is designed to help you craft impactful, personalized statements with ease. You'll get expert tips and strategies, easy-to-follow formats, and real-life examples that bring theory to life. It's absolutely free and a must-have for every special education teacher and related service provider. To get your copy, just visit www.spedprepacademy.com slash impact statements, or check the link in the episode description. Now let's get started with today's episode. You're listening to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Your host, Jennifer Hofferberg, is an award-winning veteran special educator who shares her experience, knowledge, and passion to help other special educators survive and thrive in this profession. Join her and other guests as they share tips and tricks of the trade for the ever-crazy, completely overwhelming, laugh-so-you-don't-cry profession of being a special education teacher. Well, welcome back to the Sped Prep Academy podcast. Today's episode is part five of the Sped Teacher Small Talk And I've got my partner in crime here, Paul Hubbard, with me to discuss a topic today. And normally we randomly pick our topic for our monthly segment, but Paul seems to be feeling a little bit rebellious today. He has asked to break the rules and actually choose the topic instead of spinning the wheel and leaving it up to chance. So what's on your mind? What do you want to discuss? Yes, I I feel rebellious. Uh, I think all teachers kind of feel rebellious towards the end of the year. You know, you just want to, I don't know, do your own thing, whatever. But today I want to talk about specifically transitioning for students and for yourself for the next year. Because May wraps up the school year for most people. um, And that means that there's a lot of stuff that you need to think about. And you need to know that, like, you're probably not always the case, but you're probably not going to be every student that you had this year's teacher. Whether they move over Mm -hmm. the summer or whether they move to a different school or grade level. That can definitely shift who gets them. And you need to keep in mind that, like, although you know them and you have this, someone else is going to get them that doesn't know them and doesn't have all the information, the secret things that you've learned over the year. That is going to help them until, of course, they meet them and spend some time with them. But unfortunately, that takes up a big chunk of time and it's not always necessary. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I feel like this is something that I probably needed to work on as a teacher because at the end of the year, I had good had good organization as far as my files and everything, but I just wanted to wrap up that year. I just wanted that year to be done. So I was like, I felt like I was shoving things um, both physically and mentally, you know, and not wanting to deal with them. So tell me exactly what kind of ideas you have to help teachers make that transition better into the next year? Well, I mean, it obviously depends greatly on what it looks like, what that transition is going to look at. Is it a different school entirely? Is it a different grade level in the same building? You know, what do you have to work with? That is a great aspect. So I, for example, I teach fifth grade and then we have sixth grade also in my building. So I can actually say like, hey, this student would go really well in this class. I know that because I know what they need. And that can be very beneficial, but that's like vastly depending on the school and and what the transition looks like. But I have to advocate for um, something that I know that you did and that I do regularly is I provide an assessment, kind of like my own thing at the beginning of the year, a screening assessment to just see their level. And that is so valuable. 
Uh, one of the things that I, I like to do at the end of the year is compile that assessment and send it on to the next teacher. Uh, I did have, you know, I do have the teacher that teaches sixth grade is literally next door to me and they do sixth grade. So I just said, Hey, here's a bunch of data from last year. This is the screener we took at the beginning of the year. This is their progress they made on that screener in the, the midpoint and, and end assessment. You can see where they came from and what they learned through, through the course of the year. And that can be huge, a huge jump start because one of the difficulties with education as a whole is that you do that pass off, you know, oh, tag, you're it kind of a thing and kind of drop the ball uh, and we'll pass it off really and then stop worrying about it. And oftentimes we do that without like, hey, just so you know, Johnny here will not do any work for you unless you do this thing, you know, and that can be huge for the upcoming year and for the student because then they're not working from scratch. Now, I say that with a grain of salt because also giving a student a fresh start could be a good thing. So, you know, it kind of depends on the right. case. I hear you. So do you write those notes like um, in a, in a, paper format where you're just writing out notes and giving it to the teacher next year because we used to do that we put it into their file and we would always focus as much as we could on the strengths and not you know try to sway a teacher's opinion of a student so I, I totally see your point on that but then sometimes when I when I didn't do that and the teachers would call the next year you know and ask me questions about them I had a hard time and maybe it's just my age but I had a hard time mm. remembering everything so I feel like that's a very good you know thing to to get into the habit of doing is writing those notes down and just sending it on with that file because trying to go back and remember everything about an individual kid is very difficult. True, yeah. And for me, like, so here's the deal. Like, the IEP should be including that stuff, especially the important stuff mm -hmm. or, like, accommodations and whatnot. But, I mean, maybe maybe it's only me, but I feel like the majority of teachers don't actually read every student's full IEP at the beginning of the year. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that a lot, of, a lot of teachers look at the minutes – and the accommodations and the, goal. and the goals, and then kind of just like, okay, I did that. I have them in the right setting. I am servicing their minutes and accommodations. I'll worry about it when it comes to their AR, you know, like. And it does it does come up because you're like you'll you'll witness a, a behavior or something. So you're like, oh crap, did I miss that in the IEP? So you're like digging back in there, to say, you know, to see if there's something that referenced that. So right. I totally get that. Yeah, you're just kind of getting the the basics and starting that year off with just the the essentials, but it. Having that note in there with with those issues that are that might come up for that student, I think is right. very important. Which is why this last year or so, I've really beefed up my notes page in IEPs um, because I feel that that's super important for mm -hmm. you know. I think that's the first place people go to when they're problem solving because it's the first place I go to when I'm like, what is what is this? What's going on? I go to the notes and not always, but sometimes it clarifies the issue. Uh, right there in the notes. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to very, very detailed. My notes are always so long. I've gotten compliments on my notes because when I take notes for other teachers or, or whatnot, they'll like, those are some good notes. And I'm like, well, thank you. Mm -hmm. It used to not be a priority because I was like, I have to run a meeting and somehow take detailed notes. Um, but I actually used what I, I used before or told you about before is a notes uh, Google form that I just fill out that takes out some of the repetitiveness you know, there's a certain format mm -hmm. to meetings. So a lot of stuff is always included. A lot of stuff is, you know, can be included later. And some of it just needs a little, you know, excerpt in the middle of a sentence frame. Um, so I started doing that and it creates really good notes in a very short amount of time. Um, and I'll probably figure out how to share that with you too. I, I'm, I'm just, 
this Google Forms thing is a little bit, I'm a little bit going wild with it. And I love it because it's, it's making my life easier. <laughs> a little yeah, addicted, Paul. Everything. I was like, what else can I use this for? And it just keeps going and going and going. Like I just, just last week, this is totally off topic, but I just last week, I created a, a automatic uh, flashcard generator that I just type in like spelling words for flashcards, whatever the, the site words are we're working on that week. And it automatically formats them and prints them off on index cards. Oh, it is so cool. Um, and yeah. and it saves time. Oh, my goodness, does it save time. And then I made this other thing because we have an intervention where they, like, do it so many times a week. And I normally give them, like, a class. Uh, we call them gems. They're, like, little plastic beady, like, diamond things that the students earn for doing tasks. And... Um, they get gems, but it's hard to keep track of because I have to go to the intervention and be like, all right, this minus this equals they've done this much this week, you know, so on and so forth. So I made an, an Excel spreadsheet and it automatically calculates everything for me. I just put in whatever they they had before and then I just drop in what they got now and it automatically calculates it and it even tells me how many gems each of them get. And it literally takes no time. So I, I just encourage you, like I know this is a tangent, but I would encourage you and anyone listening to utilize some resources that can make your life way easier. And it's honestly like it has to be self-motivated. But once you get on that track, it's like, oh, man, there's so many time savers. And for teachers especially who use so much of their exterior time working on stuff. I'm going to have to have you <laughs> yeah. train me well, on and some it's, of these and it's, <laughs> it's a little bit of a learning curve. That's the, the reason why a lot of people don't do it already, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. But those teachers that have done that, uh, you can create systems that, you know, don't give you a final product, but they get you awful close to that final product. And and the biggest thing for me is like going from a blank page to something meaningful. That's a big jump. So if there's something on there, you know, an outline, whatever, you can have a starting point. And I think that teachers don't utilize that enough. Yeah. Well, I think there's some really good, really good tools out there that, yeah, if you just start digging, you're going to come across some some really some things that could really help you in your classroom. Okay, so we talked about the the notes, yes, writing up good notes. good notes. We talked about giving an assessment and then giving the results of that assessment. What else? I'm thinking some type of um, the progress monitoring probes that you use mm-hmm. each nine weeks. I feel like those definitely need to be included and shared with the next teacher. I you know they'll write a goal and then they don't give you the the actual probe right. that they used, and so it's so hard to figure out where their brain right. was sometimes. So I think that's something important to, to include. What else? Well, on, kind of on that note a little bit too, oftentimes schools use like a universal program that has a progress monitoring aspect to it. We do. We use mm-hmm. FastBridge and they have a progress monitoring aspect to it. I didn't use it for the first couple of years because I'm like, oh, that's a lot of technical stuff that I have to learn. Uh, but I kind of regret that because now that this year I really was like, okay, I'm just going to buckle down. I'm going to do it. And it keeps track of my data. It creates graphs that I can show parents, the progression, you know. And it's so simplified um, that it just makes those those that progress monitoring easy. And some of it is just have your computer or have your student get on a computer and take a very quick five-minute, like, check assessment, and they're done. And then the other one is where you, like, have them read to you, but then it's all on the screen, and you can mark specific words that they got wrong, automatically mm-hmm. calculates their fluency and and missed words, and it actually collects all their missed words and puts it in a different section. So you can say, okay, these are maybe the sight word list that we'll work on because you got these wrong consistently, you know, kind of a thing. So I, so it's like the CBM, like, 
the old CBM papers, they're, it's digitalized. Yes, they figured out how to digitalize it, and that's mm-hmm. very useful. But that's, of course, not your call at all. So, like, but depending on what your situation right. is. But I'd encourage you to at least ask someone who's technically savvy, who works in the SPED department, just to be like, hey, is there an automated or a digital version of this intervention or or a digital version of this progress monitoring tool? Because it's way simpler and, like, Honestly, like I'm not a super organized person, so keeping track of all those papers and making sure they are in the right spot all the time was a lot. And oftentimes, like I would misplace them or set them down and have to deal with an issue and then have to try to find them later when I needed them. But digital, it's all online. I can access it anytime and it automatically inputs the data where it needs to go. So just it's worth an ask. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about the teacher's aspect. What about the students? What do you do for them to help them? transition a little bit easier. Yeah, that's that's important. So one of the first things I do is I always have a summer uh, a summer boot camp of sorts where I say, "Hey, I know like school's out, but look at all the progress we've made this year. I really want you to get better." You know, you, you know, a lot of what I instill in my classroom is is not, you know, you're doing this because you have to. No, it's it's I want you to get better. I want to utilize your time mm-hmm. to the best that I can. And students often, like many of my students this year, are reading. I've had so many parents of students who, like in fifth grade, that weren't reading yet. And every, I've had like four or five parents in their meetings say they're reading stuff around the house. They're reading signs on the highway. And they're getting that. And they're like saying, hey, I can actually do this. I can actually be good at reading. And it's not going to be a sore point anymore. And that gets them motivated. So... What I instill is like a boot camp, some online program uh, that I either have suggest that the parents get for certain cases or if the school offers it. I'm not going to be using those interventions during the summer. I'll just set them up with a lot of different things to work on and they can they can do that and keep that up. And then I number one thing I say, get them to read, get them to read, you know, have them read something, Um, get them something Mm -hmm. they like. One of the biggest things, biggest success things that I found for like a parent involvement is by getting the student both the audio book and the book book of a story the kids are into that they read along with. Because it takes out the frustration part of it, and they can actually get invested in the story. And then what you'll find, and this is what happened to me. Like, I think I've mentioned this before. I started reading because my English teacher, who Mrs. Rankin, who is the most incredible teacher that I've had, um, she's the one that told me I was smart, even though I wasn't good at spelling and all that stuff. She gave me, like, she looked and got me the audiobook for Pride and Prejudice when we were reading it as a class. And I, I never read a book that had no pictures and was that thick. <laughs> but I, I listened to it and read it at the same time. And I went into class B, not only like, not only knowing the, the topics, but like actually into the story. And so I cannot recommend enough getting that audiobook while also giving them the actual physical book because then they can say, yes, I've read it. It takes out that like, oh, I listened to it. It's an audiobook. It gives mm-hmm. them like the, yeah, I, I read this thing. I picked it up and read it. And I still do this to this day. I will have an audiobook playing while I read books that I've had a hard time getting through. So oftentimes I'll try to read it through. And if I just can't get through it, I'll get the audiobook and then read it through that way. And I can always get through it. And that's why I've went from well I'm I'm a dyslexic addict reader you know and that's not a common thing and it has to do with this this thing that I really instill students to do 
uh, and their parents to help them get to that point. Because when they get excited about reading, there is no way that they're not going to learn how to read. Because now it's the thing they want that is getting in their way. They want to, to be able to read books. And the only thing getting in their way is not reading. So they're going to give you more effort and listen to what you have to say and be motivated in class to soak up as much as they can so that they can actually get to that content. I think that's a really good tip for parents to share, even throughout the year, when you're in those meetings, just to let them know, you know, get those audio books, get, you know, get books. A lot of my students, they don't have books in the home. It's not as common as it was when when I was a, a kid or my daughters were little there's just not as many books in some of my family's homes. So giving them that, those suggestions, I think is very important. So, and I also think that when you're, when you're talking to the kids about moving on, I liked that you said that you, you talk to them about where they, how far they've come. And so I think that's really important to go over those successes, go over their weaknesses still, let them know that, you know, they've made so much progress. They've still got some work to do and then give them some suggestions, like you said, for over the summer. And then just, let them know what's going to happen next year. You know, what can they expect in their new building? What can they expect with their new teacher? And just ta- having those really in-depth conversations with the kids and not just the teachers. Yeah, definitely. It, it's so important for, like, for me growing up, like, I thought there was no hope for me growing up. I thought that there was no way that I'm going to be smart enough to fit in in society, you know. And what I've I've learned, and it has to do with specific teachers is like the fact that many of them would do that and say, Hey, look at this. Like I remember Mrs. Rankin, one of the things that she did was she gave us the task of rewriting a essay that we had written at the beginning of the year. And just to see like, Oh yeah. And I was like, I know what's wrong with this now. I submitted it as a completed work, but now I, I like, you're embarrassed by what you did yeah. before. Well, yeah. Yes, and I know how to fix it, more importantly. And and that is such a rewarding thing for students to make the connection of where they were at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year versus the end, which is why I make a huge deal uh, about that during the year, especially. Uh, I, I don't like just do it at the end of the year. If students are doing well in reading specifically, because for me, I think reading is among the most important math is a conceptual thing. There's a lot of steps. They'll get there. Maybe, maybe not. There's some people that aren't not good at math, but it doesn't have a huge effect in our very digital, very access to, you know, calculator world as reading does. And so for me, reading is the most important. So whenever my students learn to read or or get an increase uh, on their fluency or comprehension, I call home and I say, Hey, guess what? Guess what Johnny just did. He just got an additional 20 words from the beginning of the year. And I make a big deal. And I'm just like, I am so proud of this kid. And, you know, and go on and on and on. And then, you know, I don't know what happens after that. But I, for one, the parents appreciate a positive phone call mm-hmm. because that's not as common as it should be. Um, and for two, I know that, like, I've said it to uh, this specific student I have this year that I'll remember forever because she's made so much growth this year. Oh my goodness. I am so proud of this girl. She came in reading 12 words per minute and is now reading 70 in a a grade level above. Um, She's reading 70 uh, words per minute. And I could not be prouder of, of her growth this year. And I have called mom so many times and now like she's one of those shy girls that doesn't really like 
seem like she wants attention, but she really likes attention. <laughs> and so, you know, her mom is always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, get, make it a big deal. I'm going to take her out to ice cream and all that stuff. And and that is so important for a student's growth to be like, hey, I'm growing. And sometimes growth doesn't look the same, especially for kids in, in special needs that have special needs. But, oh, my goodness, when they recognize there's hope for me, I'm making growth. You know, I don't know how she made it to fifth grade and didn't learn to read because I feel like I've done the normal stuff. But whatever that reason was. It just clicked for her. Yeah, it clicked for mm-hmm. her. And and to be a part of that is just such a rewarding aspect of teaching. And it doesn't always happen. I have another student that, like, didn't make much growth and didn't care. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe next year it'll click for him, you know. Maybe a different teacher will click for him. Right. But the important part is that we need to do as teachers, we need to leave them with an idea of like, this wasn't a waste of time. It was hard. Like I tell my students a lot, we have a lot of fun in my room, but it is hard. Like I have, I have so many students that want to be in my class, which I think is hilarious Mm -hmm. because (laughs) the stigmatism of that, you know, is like, Oh, now, you know, now I'm the place to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I tell them like, I just want you to know, we work hard in my class, like really hard. And all the students are like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it works us real hard. And, and but that and when they can see the connection between the hard work and their growth, then they're like, OK, it's worth it. And if you can get that motivation, it makes all the difference in their learning journey. Do you think it would be I've never done this, but I was just thinking while you're talking, do you think it would be beneficial for them to write a letter to their new upcoming teacher to let them know the things about them that make them unique or the things that they struggle with, the things that they're good at. I think that would be an amazing gift to get into that, you know, that, that file that you get and to have a letter from the student introducing themselves and letting them know all those things about them. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a really, yeah, I like that idea. Well, Paul, this was, I'm glad you, I'm glad you were such a rebel today. I liked this topic. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I think that teachers, we have a lot to do at the end of the year. And I know that just Putting one more thing on your plate is stressful, but I can't tell you how beneficial these kinds of things are to the next teacher. And if you are one of those teachers that's going to be receiving students, wouldn't you want to receive some things like this as well? So I think that's something to always keep in mind. Yeah, I I agree. I think that that the more we can do and the more that we can hand off to the next teacher just accelerates the amount of growth that that student can have especially for those students who made a lot of growth while they were with you and just say like, Hey, you might look and see still a pretty low student, but this is a motivated student, mm-hmm. you know, and that can make a big difference. Like I would, if I received my students that I have this year, I would want to group them based on their motivation level, not necessarily their academic level. Yeah. Because if you get a motivated group of kids together, uh, it can make all the difference. And I keep saying that like, Here's the answer. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, but it it truly can because I'm a living example of that. I wasn't, shouldn't have been successful in school, uh, but I was able to see my growth and have people that were important to me and that meant something to me academically tell me that, yes, you are getting better. Yes, you are doing phenomenal. Yes, you are growing. And that made me want to try, which got me through lots of failure because I knew, hey, I still got those teachers that worked hard to turn me into someone that I can be proud of. Mm-hmm. I, I love your story. I love when you talk about your story. I just feel <laughs> like it's so inspirational. And, you know, 
we need to hear that. We this job is stressful, but we we are making a difference in the lives of our kids. And so I I feel like, you know, we're just going to keep plugging away and keep doing what we do and and hopefully make some make some growth, make a lot of growth with our kids throughout the years. Well, Paul, Definitely. thank you so much for another great episode. I will um I'll be talking to you in June. Yeah, I I can't believe we've done five of these already. It doesn't seem like we've done it that yeah. you've done it for that long, <laughs> but that's that's awesome. I'm glad we're able to do this, and I really enjoy these conversations as well. Yeah, I do too. All right, see you in a month. All right, see you. Thanks for sticking with me until the end. I can tell that you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am. If you liked what you heard today, I'd love it if you'd head over to spadprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.